0: Well, good evening, we have to be very intentional about saying good evening, we are creatures of habit. I caught myself earlier saying good morning to someone, it is not morning, it is evening. <laughs> but we're incredibly blessed to have you all here this evening to celebrate this Good Friday. And I want you to ponder for a moment this evening the world in which we live. I look around daily and I see the beauty of God's creation, in particular this time of year. And I've shared this with you guys before. I love this because this is a time where you see new life. Trees are budding, you see the flowers beginning to emerge. The grass is now growing and I'm mowing already. But it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And there is truly, friends, so much beauty in this world. We have so much to be thankful for. But you know, we cannot ignore some of what is going on around us in this world because there is so much. Injustice. And you don't have to look far to find it. You really don't. It's easy to spot economic injustice. There's so much crime in this world, in this country, that goes unpunished. Yet, perfectly innocent people are being persecuted. You have babies murdered. In the name of reproductive health care. And now we have children. Children being sexually mutilated. In the name of gender affirming health care. It just. It breaks my heart. And it makes me shake my head and wonder. Where is the justice. Justice. It also speaks, friends, to the incredible importance of us, the church, standing up for what we know to be true according to the Word of God, the truth. But you know, I also wonder, is the world really that much worse today than it has been in the past? You know, I read about pagan practices. You read about them in the Bible. You read about human sacrifice. You read about the temple prostitution. And even the New Testament churches were not immune. There were things going on in the New Testament churches at Corinth and Galatia and Ephesus. There was some pretty bad stuff going on there as well. The truth, friends, is this. Injustice has been a part of the human experience going all the way back to when Cain killed Abel. And I'm guessing that there are some here that have probably experienced some kind of injustice in their lives. But friends, never, never has the world seen the kind of injustice endured by Jesus on that Friday some 2,000 years ago. We call it Good Friday, which in and of itself can be difficult to understand. I mean, how could what happened on that Friday have been good? At the time, it was probably considered the worst Friday ever, at least by Jesus' followers. Never had the world seen anyone treated so unjustly. Jesus was an innocent man. He had not only committed no crime, but he had lived his life with no sin. Yet he was falsely accused. He was tortured and sentenced to death by crucifixion, by hanging on a cross. The most cruel and horrifying way the Romans could dream up to kill someone. Cicero described it as an act so abominable, it is impossible to find any word to adequately express. But see, friends, this is why Jesus came to earth. This is why he took on flesh. And we read in the Bible, he told his disciples on several occasions that this must happen that he must be handed over, that he must be killed according to the will of God. Now we know from history that this is something that the disciples of the time, they, they just did not understand. They didn't get it. And so friends, it is for us today as well at times with regard to the will of And the nature of God. As much as as man tries to reason and explain and understand, there are things about God that we just cannot understand. And we must accept the fact that there are parts of God's domain that we do not, cannot, and will not understand. There are things that will always remain a mystery. Deuteronomy 29 tells us as much. It says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. There are things that we cannot comprehend about God, and that's where faith and trust come in. Our relationship with our Creator, is based on faith and trust. This evening, we're going to take a few moments to explore a passage of Scripture that, friends, truly is beyond our understanding. Now, you're probably going to say, hold on a second. If it's in the Bible, why can't I understand it? Well, you'll see when we get to it. But this is a question that Jesus asked. Yes, we are still exploring questions that Jesus asked because Jesus asked an incredibly important question as he hung on that cross. Before he died, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, up to now, in our study of these questions, all of the questions that we've looked at to this point, they truly require a response from us. They are truly meant for us to answer. But this one, this one, friends, this is a little bit different. Because Jesus isn't talking to his disciples here. Jesus is not talking to us. Jesus is talking to God the Father. Our scripture is found in Matthew chapter 27. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 27, we're going to look at five verses, beginning at verse 45, going through 50. It'll be on the screen for you as well. But as we pick up the story in verse 45, Jesus has already been accused He's already been tried. He's already been sentenced to death. The epitome of justice for a man who has done nothing wrong. He was scourged. He was tortured. He was beaten to within an inch of his life. He was forced up a hill and he was nailed to a cross. And friends, we cannot gloss over the physical pain and suffering that he endured for us. As we said a few moments ago, crucifixion was a horrifying way to die. Yet Jesus endured that torture and that crucifixion for us. For us. We begin in verse 45, Matthew writes this, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this, this, this question that Jesus asks here, this question is a profound mystery, friends. It is truly beyond our understanding. This is God speaking to God. How could we possibly pretend to understand that? It speaks, though, to the triune nature of God. As reformers, we believe in the Trinity, the triune God, one God, three persons. That in and of itself is something that our finite minds cannot wrap it around. We cannot understand that. But you know, this is not the first time that we see God speaking to God. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. This is God speaking to himself. God the Father speaking to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit with regard to creation. But here in Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is asking a question of God the Father. How can we possibly understand God speaking to God? Yet we know, friends, we know from our study that Jesus asked questions with a purpose. He asked questions with a purpose, and this one is no different. It's no different. So why would Jesus ask this question? Well, friends, I believe that there are two very important reasons that Jesus asked this question. The first is this. He asked this question because he wanted the world to know that he was the Messiah. See, with these words, Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. And we know, we know Psalm 22 to be a messianic psalm. John Piper refers to it as the script for the passion play. There's at least three other parts of the psalm that are quoted in the story of Jesus' death. And Jesus, Jesus knew the scriptures. Jesus knew the scriptures and he knew that this psalm was about him and he wanted the people that stood around the cross that afternoon, to know who he was. And friends, he wants everyone here tonight to know who he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. Jesus wants you to know who he is. The second reason that Jesus asked this question is so that we would know that he had experienced the agony of hell. And make no mistake, friends, hell will be pure agony. Elsewhere, it's described as a place of eternal fire, of weeping, of thirst, a place where there's gnashing of teeth. But you know what? These aren't the things that make hell, hell. You know that? Those things are terrible, but that's not what makes hell, hell. What makes hell agonizing is separation from God. God turning his back to you. And in that moment, in that moment, as Jesus hung there and he cried out with that mysterious question, he experienced the agony of hell so you wouldn't have to. He took all your sin, he took all the terrible things that you've done in your life, all the things that you're going to do, he took on the sin of the world. And he bore the wrath of God that we deserve. And he did that so we wouldn't have to. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That perfect, sinless life that he lived is now credited to us. We are reconciled, we are made right with a perfectly holy God by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, by the work of the cross. Nothing more. But you know, the following verses are very, very important. Very, very important. So stay with me. Beginning of verse 47, it says, When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and, it, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And And... Right here, friends, these verses, they describe the problem. And the problem is, friends, that the people didn't get it. They didn't understand who Jesus was. And we cannot let that happen today, friends. We must come away from this knowing why Jesus cried out with this mysterious question. We must understand who Jesus is, the Son of God, came as a propitiation for our sins. And we must come to the realization that in that moment, He endured the agony of hell so we wouldn't have to. Verse 50 says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, He gave up His spirit. And those final words that Matthew describes as Jesus crying out again in a loud voice, John, he records those words for us. Before Jesus breathed his last, he said, it is finished. In the original Greek, one word, tetelestai, which means the work is done, the price has been paid in full. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know that he came and that he died and that he experienced the agony of hell so you wouldn't have to? If there's any doubt in your mind, let's clear it up right now. If you've never believed in Jesus, I pray that you do it now. The gospel tells us that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life with him. That's what heaven is. That's what heaven is. Heaven is eternal life with him. Heaven's going to be wonderful, heaven's going to be awesome. But it's going to be awesome because you're going to be in the presence of Jesus. That is the assurance we have if we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, we praise you, and we thank you. We thank You that You came willingly, that You left heaven, that You became like one of us and that You lived a perfect life and that You withstood the injustice of being tortured, of being hung on a cross and bearing all of our sin. We thank You that You experienced the agony of separation from God so that we wouldn't have to. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.